you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Um, I'm going to do something I don't usually do. Um, usually we don't talk about a lot of things about miracles or people. Um, I don't really care that much about that right now. It's not that it's wrong to do. He's passed away. Um, Abunangilos um, played a big role in raising me. And I, I wouldn't be able to say enough if I wanted to. But not saying anything about him, I think, would be a bigger travesty for us to not know the kinds of saints that lived among us and walked among us and taught us and, and, and handed us down the faith. I'm not going to talk right now that much about his life and his background. I don't even know if I'm the right person to tell that story or not. But I do care that people know who he is. Um, and I'll share some of my experiences with him because he played a big role um, in my life. I first um, heard of Abunangelos as a high schooler in Minya, um, not studying in Minya, but visiting in Minya. When a, a beggar in the church, they used to hand out pictures and, and you'd give them a little bit of money. And I gave I gave the man like a quarter pound, and he gave me a picture of, of Abunangelos. I didn't know his name. I didn't know who he was. He looked scary to me, actually. Um, but it was a, such a, a, a provocative picture because of the intensity of his gaze that it wasn't a picture that I was able to put out of my memory. And I used it as a bookmark um, in some of my books. A year or two later, I went on my first retreat to St. Anthony's Monastery in the Red Sea. And I made friends with uh, a monk there. One of his closest disciples is in this picture. Um, and he started telling me stories about this man named Abunangilos that I had never heard of. And he's like, you're from Minya. How do you not know him? He's serving there. And I was like, no, I, I don't know who he is, etc." So he told me stories about him how he could read thoughts and spirit born and anchorite and, and these things. And, and I didn't put much stock um, in most of those things at that time in my life. So Abuna thinking he was doing me a great service, gave me a phone number. Abuna himself never actually had a phone, um, but the people who would drive him, take care of him, et cetera, that person uh, says Rafat, who's now, um, He's now been tonsured a monk, but he um, he would carry the phone. So Abuna, thinking he did me this great honor, gave me his number, and I sat on it um, and did nothing with it. So a year later, when I was at the monastery, Abuna Giro started to resume his monthly visits to the monastery. For a long time, he barely went to the monastery. He was out in service and started taking confessions um, while he was there. And Abuna told me, come meet him. And so I was very anxious about meeting him because I had heard that he could read minds and stuff like that. And there's nothing good going on in my mind for him to, to hear. So I went with Abuna and I'm in this room of 20 plus at least monks taking turns with confession. And Abuna came out of the confessions and he had this uh, very known, this very marked way of sitting. He'd have one knee up and he'd kind of lean his head forward um, and sometimes have his arm resting on his knee and just stare out. And I watched him as he looked at every monk in the room one by one. And I assumed he was reading their minds. I have no idea whether this is really what he was doing or not doing. And I got very afraid. I was like, oh no, if he reads my mind, what's he gonna hear? Um, and so I was like, okay, think, think Jesus' prayer. You can never go wrong with Jesus' prayer. So I, I started praying Jesus' prayer, my Lord Jesus Christ, and oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then I was like, oh no, 
what if he doesn't know English? <laughs> so I started praying it in Arabic. And when I looked up, I saw that he was staring at me and he was just smiling. And it was a kind of smile that just completely um, takes you away. And I said to Abuna after it, the one who introduced me, I fell in love today and it's not because he read my mind, if he read my mind or because of anything he told me. This was the first time that I saw Christ. The security that you felt in his eyes, the, the peace that you felt emanating from his person, the love that he had, that you felt was overwhelming. And I was very attracted to him and I had the blessing that it was reciprocated. And I'm not saying that boastfully. I'm not saying it egotistically. He told me more than once that he felt that way and set me aside. And over the years, I would come to get to know him more and more. But Abunangilus wasn't a man of many words. He wasn't a, a vocal teacher. He was a man that you had to watch if you wanted to learn. You had to watch how he dealt with everything. His eyes, if you look at his pictures, are always looking somewhere else. His eyes are always looking through you, past you, up towards heaven. Through the years I've had many experiences with him, I'll tell some of those stories. Um, he became the source of blessing and there's actually nothing that I did, no decision that I took that I wouldn't take without taking his blessings first. He really pulled me towards the monastic life, even though he was serving, because I saw in him that he was a living monastery, that in spite of serving in Jerusalem, in spite of serving in the world, in spite of having everything at him, he owned nothing. He owned nothing. One time I was in the monastery and my dad called. He had a major problem at the pharmacy. Um, a major incident had occurred that was resulting in a potential lawsuit. Not potential, the man said that he was going to. The man said he was gonna sue. And my dad said, just pray about it and, and we'll see what happens. And it was, it was, it was a bad situation. I'm not getting into the details. That's, that's not my place to say some of the details that concern my father. And I went and I called Abunangilos and I had never done things like that before, like calling somebody to tell them that there's an issue and telling them what they should do. And so um, I, I started stuttering. I was like, Abuna, um, uh, my my dad was uh, Arif, um, which means I know. Was Arif, and I was like, okay, um, well, if you know, um, I don't know what. And he goes, three days, Habibi, three days. And I was like, three days, what, Abuna? He said, three days, and this whole situation is going to be fine. So I said, okay, thank you, Abuna. I left it alone. Three days later, my dad calls me and he says, um, I don't know what happened, but this is a miracle. Um, this guy that was suing me called me to apologize. And he said that the mistake that had occurred that had resulted in this person almost dying which wasn't my dad's physical mistake. He goes, I had been depressed and wanting to die. And this experience of almost dying has actually made me come closer to living and to want to live. So I owe you a thank you rather than, rather than anger. And so my family came to Egypt shortly after my dad actually came that summer and I said to my mom and my sisters with him, like, we should, um, we should go thank him for his prayers. So we went out from Almenia to Safta Sharia, where he served. 
and it was the middle of liturgy and he was serving. And I walked into the sanctuary where he was sitting and he looked at me and goes, Alhamdulillah, salama. I was like, thank you. And he goes, good that you brought your mother and your sister. They were in the congregation. He had no idea liturgy still going. And he goes, I am. Um, he goes, where's your father? <laughs> I said, well, clearly you already know. And he just laughed. I'm going to say some stories that I think some people will think I'm crazy for. I don't care. I witnessed them with my own eyes. We're Christians. We believe in miracles. We'll have a talk on Thursday, God willing, about miracles. Some of these might sign, sound science fiction. You might think I'm psychotic. I'm not concerned about what anybody thinks about you right now. People have called this ghaybiyat and sahr and whatever, cultish, supernatural, phantasms. I don't care. I witnessed it. And I, I believe that I'm a rational human being. Um, the first time that I saw Abu Nangilos as a spirit born, as a sawah, I was at retreat as usual at the monastery and I had a parcel that I was supposed to deliver to um, a monk at St. Bishori's that somebody in California had sent with me um, to send to him. And I wanted to go so that I wouldn't get rid of, like take someone's package that's not mine. I was a lay person and a friend of mine was going to come with me who worked at the monastery and he was... Um, being prevented from from going so there's a bit of a fight and eventually the guy was allowed to come with me and everything that could go wrong in going from saint anthony's to saint bishoy's that day everything that could go wrong was going was going wrong um um let's just say we left saint anthony's monastery at 7 a.m and we didn't get to St. Bishoy's Monastery till 11 p.m. But on the way there, I fell asleep. I was leaning on my, my friend's shoulder. And I woke up and he was so excited. He goes, guess what, guess what, guess what? And I like, well, he goes, I saw Abuna. I was like, Abuna Angelos? I just assumed it right away. And he was like, yes, Abuna Angelos. I go, where? He goes, right here. He just showed up. Um, and he goes, everything's going to be fine. This was when we were still waiting for something to get us to the monastery. And within minutes, we got a ride. So I was jealous. And I was like, why did he come to you? Why did he come while I was asleep? So I was upset. And I got my turn because the next day, we were heading back to St. Anthony's Monastery after a complete fail at the monastery. And we left the monastery about 10 or 11 a.m. And at 10 p.m., we were in the middle of the road past um, the Kuremet on concrete, praying to God that we would find a car to get us to the monastery. And my friend fell asleep leaning against me. And I had my head down and I look up and I suddenly see Abuna Angelo standing in front of me, just smiling. And he nodded his head with this big, huge smile stayed like 10 seconds so that I would be sure it was real. I kept on blinking my eyes over and over, trying to make sure I was actually seeing what I was seeing and he was gone. He leaves and suddenly I wake up my friend, I'm like, I got to see him this time. And within minutes, a car pulls up saying, where are you going? We told him and he dropped us off at the beginning of the, the, the trail, the path to St. Anthony's monastery. And we get into the monastery and there's a monastic, a spiritual tradition that especially if someone's alive, you don't say what they've done. Um, and so I started yelling, I'm like, guess who I just saw, I just saw. And then his disciple um, was like, pss, 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 stop, 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 don't say anything. Don't say anything. He, he figured out very quickly what I was going to say. It's like, this is not the time. This is not the way. This is not how we do things. And that would be um, the first time. Um, first time of many. 
another summer, a friend of mine, he now lives in Canada, his mother was gravely ill. And um, a group of, of us were, were talking about going to see um, Abu Nangelos to get his prayers for, for my friend's mother. And one of the guys in our group, Shar, his dad apparently was involved with treating Abuna. And he told us, no, Abuna is not in town. Abuna is actually um, in Alexandria. I was like, Alexandria? Since when does he go to Alexandria? So I got very worried that we weren't going to see him. So I was like, well, you know what? Why don't we just go? We'll take the chance. And if we don't, then we'll, we'll take the blessings of the church. It's not a hard trip. So I sat with his picture in front of me. And I was like, Abuna... You better be there. Like we, I, like, we need you to be there because we really, really need for you to pray. And again, I looked up. I found him standing in front of me. This time wearing black. And he just nodded his head, blessed me with the sign of the cross, and left. So I told my friends, we're going to find him. I'm convinced that we're going to find him. We will, we will see him. So um, we went, we went and I saw Abuna standing on the balcony. He looked at me with this big smile and just nodded, the same nod that he did the day before. And we sat with him and my friend kept on asking Abuna, Taib, my mom, my mom. And Abuna just wouldn't answer. He very, if he answered at all, it was something vague and it was, it was frustrating. It wasn't direct. It wasn't very clear. What are you trying to say? What's going on? And so um, we pushed him um, and we, we were trying to get him to say something and he wouldn't. So I took him aside in the corner of the hall and I asked him, um, Abuna, Fulan, this guy, like what, what's, what's going on? And he put his head down and just, he shook his head. Just shook his head. And I understood it wasn't good news and he didn't have the heart to tell him that it wasn't gonna go well for his mom. And he did this knowing that it actually very much upset my friend. My friend thought that he was a fraud or, or at worst, or just being mean or not being helpful or, or what is it? I didn't tell my friend until a couple of months later when his mother passed away that Abun Angelos understood that that was what was going to happen. And it wouldn't be the first time he got involved. It came, there was a period where I was, again, this is all as a lay person. I was in a big fight with my father of confession, which wasn't a common uh, occurrence. And I was in a big fight with his closest disciple. He's in this picture. He's the one who introduced me to Bunangilos. And I was just being owned, spiritually being owned. I felt church-wise felt I was owned. Work-wise, in every respect of my life, I just felt like my life was, I was just being, I was rocked. And I came home one time to my house in Kitchener. And I walked into my bedroom, just done completely done and I threw myself on the bed it wasn't nighttime it was still broad daylight and I sat up to watch Abun Angelos just walk into my room and I looked at him and I burst into tears and he gave me the biggest hug He's like, best, best, best. He's like, what's wrong? So I told him, I just vented. There was no sense of shock that there's a monk from Egypt in my room. It's like, Abuna, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to fight with Abuna Thanasius. I go, Ibnak Fulan, I didn't even call him Abuna. I just said, your son, so-and-so by name. I'm really pissed off at him right now. 
because of blah, 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 blah. I mean, there's a bit of a pity party happening. And um, I've just had enough. And it was January. And Abuna smiled and goes, Bess, Habibi, Bess, listen, your problem with Abuna Finesius is going to be resolved by St. Anthony's Feast, which was that weekend. He goes, so don't worry about that. He goes, and you know Abuna so-and-so in this picture again. You know how much he loves you. I was like, I know, I know Abuna. And then he just very gently chastised me, very gentle rebuke and said, and you, just pull, pull your load a little bit. And I said, Hazrat Abuna, you're right. Hazrat Abuna, you're right. So he left me. And sure enough, by the end of the weekend, I was fine. And within 10 days, actually, and he told me within two weeks or 10 days, I remember what his time frame was, but it happened in that time frame. He said, you and Abuna, so-and-so will be fine. So Abuna calls me, the, the one that I complained to Abuna Angelos about. Um, and I asked him, I was like, did, uh, did Abuna Angelos call you? He's like, no, why? I was like, did he say anything to you about any conversation him and I might have had? And he said, no. So I told him what happened. And he's like, Gida. He was like, not even calling me Abuna. Um, and started joking because to him, the shocking part was not Abuna Angelos' apparition or, 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 or spirit born, it was the conversation. Um, but I have an attention seeking complex. Um, pray for me to get some humility. And one year I was visiting and I was like, I don't know if Abun Angelos loves me. I wonder if Abun Angelos only loves me because of his disciple. So you know what? I am going to go see him. And I am not going to tell him who I am, where I'm coming from. And I'm not going to tell his disciple. I want to see what happens. So I, um, I went to see him in Suft. And that year I had lost a lot of weight. I had a different hairstyle and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, and so I went to see him. And it wasn't crowded that day, which was not common. And I go up to him and he, he clearly didn't recognize me. So I was so hurt. I was so upset. And um, Abuna had um, a, a neuropathy. He didn't have sensation a lot of the times in his feet. And so whenever he'd be at the monastery, I, I used to like to take the blessings of sitting at his feet and, and I just rub his feet, trying to, to, to give him some, some relief from the spasms and some sense of whatever. This comes into play in a second. That's why I'm saying it. So I was upset. And so I was sitting there and I'm trying to be normal. And in my head, um, I was calming myself down and saying, you know what? Um, he sees thousands of people. Why am I upset? Why am I upset if he doesn't, if he doesn't know um, who I am? That's not fair. It's not fair of me. This having been somebody who he's come to visit me, etc. This was 2008. And so I sat quietly and I felt him staring at me. And he looks at me straight through me and goes, you're upset because I didn't recognize you? And I couldn't say no, because <laughs> he was right. And I said, uh, just a, a little bit of Buna. <laughs> so he said, don't you look different? And I was like, yes, Abun and I do. He goes, forgive me. Forgive me. You look different. I didn't, I didn't recognize you at first. As if to say, like, I'm, I'm a human too. So I said, So he looked at me and said, why don't uh, and points in front of his feet. Why don't you sit in your place? Understanding that I loved having that honor 
of sitting at his feet. So I sat at his feet and he kept on like a real loving father. He would just lean forward and he told me certain things that I won't say. And I felt comforted. A couple of weeks later, I'm at the monastery and Abuna comes and I've already seen him. And so it was hot, it was a summer. And so instead of sitting inside, we were, we were all sitting outside. And now Abuna is going ultra to show me he loves me by there's like 10 seats set up and there's like 30 monks and Abuna keeps saying, Mina, sit down Mina. And I'm like, I can't sit down. There's like 30 monks that are not sitting and I'm the one lay guy in the midst of this party. And he said, I told you sit, but like playfully. So I sat and as we're sitting there, um, he starts telling the fathers and I haven't said a word of this to him. He goes, Mina, tell the fathers um, about your time in Thunder Bay. And he named this city. And I had been living in Thunder Bay for four months as my last semester of pharmacy school. And I had had the time of my life there. And no one in Egypt had heard of Thunder Bay. I hadn't told him about Thunder Bay or my experiences there. And he goes, tell them about Thunder Bay. And I start smiling at his mischief, at his she'ewa, where I'm like, how does he know? And the monks are assuming that he knew through a normal way. And he goes, no, tell them. Tell them about the animals you saw. Tell them about your kayaking and your canoeing and your experiences in the water and the natural wildlife. Tell them. Tell them. And I'm just smiling and his disciple gets it. His disciple just gives this look of like, is this you or is this him? And I'm like, no, it's definitely him. And he just laughed while the rest didn't, didn't know that. Then to be extra loving, I had written my boards before I came to the monastery and I didn't take my boards seriously. I didn't know they were supposed to be a big deal. So I didn't really study. <laughs> I went on vacation. I went to California. I went all sorts of places and I started studying like one or two nights before the final, before the, the boards, the PBCs. So I was very anxious that I was going to fail. So I was, uh, I messaged, I had asked one of my friends, I gave him my, this was pre-internet days of, of, of getting results online, I think. Um, I think there was, it, you know, it was online, but it just, I don't know what the system was. Either way, I gave him all of my details and said, can you find out for me if I pass and if I have, just shoot me a text at the monastery and let me know so that I know whether I need to plan to write again. So I was sitting actually with his disciple in his cell and there's another monk and we were watching some saint movie. I don't know why. And I was bored out of my mind, to be honest. And all of a sudden I felt very happy, very, very happy. And I smiled. So when it looks at me and he goes, what are you smiling at? Did you see him? And I was like, see what? And he goes, Abuna Gelos, did you see him? I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't see him Abuna. Um, and so he was saying he's, he's, he was just, and so he, before he, he, he said anything, he looks at the other monk and goes, Muna. And, I was like, he, and the other one is like, he's like, Fadlak, get out. <laughs> and he kicked him out. <laughs> and he goes, Abuna Gilles was just here. Did you not see him? And I'm like, no, I didn't see him. He goes, and why were you smiling? I go, because I was happy. And so he's like, no, you must, there must be something. And I was like, no, I didn't see Abuna. I believe in Abuna Gilles. You need to convince me of Abuna Gilles. I have experience with Abuna Gilles. He just like the Lani at the Dunya. I love Abuna Gilles, but I'm sorry. I didn't see him. And he goes, we're going to resolve this right now. And he calls Abuna Gilles. He goes, hi, Khawaga. And we call him Khawaga, which means uh, something like foreigner. Um, because of his long distance travels all over the place. Um, and he goes, were you just here? And he goes, here how? Here where? And he kept on trying to beat around the bush until Abuna goes, Abuna, khalasna, right? Bring this to an end. Were you here or were you not here? Because what Abuna said is he saw Abuna Angelos' head come out of nowhere, like out of a cloud, and kiss me on the forehead. 
And so he goes, were you here, Buna? And he goes, yes, I was. Mabruk, Mabruk, Yamina, Mabruk. And this was all on speaker. So I was like, thanks, Abuna. I thought like Mabruk because he like kissed my forehead. <laughs> and Abuna hangs up. And within 20 minutes, I got a text from my friend in Canada. Congratulations, I just checked your results and, and you passed. Another time we went to visit him when I was very sick, me and that disciple in this picture and another monk. And suddenly Abuna got agitated and told us, you need to leave right now. And we're like, are you already bored of us, Abuna? We tried to turn it into a joke. And he's like, no, leave right now. Very angrily, very authoritatively. We're like, why Abuna? He's like, I said, go. So we left, but the monks didn't take it too seriously. They thought maybe he got annoyed or he's bored. Um, and, he, and we stopped at somebody's house. And while we were there, Abuna called us and he said, didn't I tell you guys to leave? And I'm like, yes, Abuna Hadi goes, go, go. Emsho, Emsho. So we left. Shortly after I the monastery, we got a bunch of frantic calls to Abuna Salfamil. Are you guys okay? Are you guys okay? There is a monumentally humongous accident on the, the way to the monastery, which is a narrow way that used to take through a Suez that's got um, through Aina um, Sukhna. It's just two lanes, and many, many people died. And that if we hadn't left, probably we would have been in that, in that accident. A lot of the monks used to ask him whether I was going to be a monk because I wanted to be one. But I didn't want him to prophesy for me. It wasn't what I was raised to do. I was raised to let God do his thing and for let God do the calling. So whenever they would ask him, um, I would in my head tell him, Abuna, you know that I don't want to know. I want it to happen naturally, Abuna. I don't want it to happen like this. And so Abuna would just smile when they would ask and he'd be like, don't worry about him. He'll be, he'll be good. So one year, it was 2012. I was in Egypt. I'd attended the feast. And I went to see him. I'd been working for, for five years almost five years at that point, no, four and a half years at that time. And um, I was sitting with him. And for the first time ever, he looked at me and said, huh, no, wait, is it, is your heart desiring this now? And I was shocked because he had never brought it up before. And there's nothing I did in life again without his blessings, nothing. And I looked at him and I said, Abuna, I don't want your opinion. I want heaven's, I want heaven's opinion. And he smiled and he said, pray for three days and come back to me. So I said, Hadr. And for those three days, Every time I stood up to pray, Abuna would come to me in my room, spiritual born, and he would pray with me as a real father and turned it into his prayer, standing beside me to put up the same prayers. So on the third day, I went to see him and I found a hundred million people there. This was in Cairo to take his blessings, to get his advice. To, he was abused, but he did it all in love. And um, I gave up. I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to talk to him today. And it's okay. Cause I'd asked God, I prayed quietly when I prayed, I prayed quietly. And I said, like, God, um, 
I don't want wishy-washiness. I want yes or no or not now. But I don't want any of this funky, like what's in your heart kind of business. And I had just received orders from Buna Lazarus to move. We didn't know where I was moving, but I had just received orders. I ended up moving to, to Thunder Bay, but Abuna, when I went to him, I, I had my head down because I'm just like, I give up. So he called me over to himself. He's like, Ta'ala, come. So I went to him. And he said, Shof, um, you're going to go back to Canada. And I had assumed that this was my last trip to Egypt. The revolutions had just been happening and there's all sorts of problems. He goes, don't worry, you're going to come back to Egypt. You're going to go to Canada and you're, you're going to move to whatever place it is. Oh, and by the way, when you move, go to the place of safety. Don't choose the dangerous one. I had no idea what on earth he was talking about. I said, okay, no problem, Abuna. And he goes, I don't have an answer for you today. Asama doesn't have an answer for you today. Instead, I know that you are going to come back. And when you come back, you will already have been told, which is what I was praying for. I wanted the direct calling from God because I didn't want a self-fulfilling prophecy. I went back to Canada and I had actually narrowed it down to two jobs. It was either Yukon or Northwest Territory, one of the territories, or Thunder Bay. And I was leaning towards the territories job. And then a friend called me and said, oh, be careful at that place. Um, the natives in that area have burnt down the residence that the healthcare workers would work in, or live in, sorry. And I smiled. <laughs> I was like, that's the dangerous one. Um, so I said, okay, Thunder Bay it is. And I went to Thunder Bay and indeed God called me um, while I was there so that when I went to see him, um, he laughed because he, he knew. Um, sometimes when he would visit, it would just be the scent of him. And I knew he was there. And you can claim that it's in my mind, but one time he called it out. Um, when I went to visit him, when he came in the flesh, like at the monastery, I used to go to this place in the monastery called the Se. It's this place in the monastery and there's a this, this gigantic basket if you go to it and it's where they used to pull people into the monastery. You'd have to be lifted in. And I used to just sit there so I could be invisible and I just do my own personal quiet time, my personal retreat there. And um, I went and looked at me during that visit and he goes, I was with you, you know. And I just smiled and he goes, I was with you in the set, yeah. I was with you in the set, yeah. To make sure that it was there. Just like that first time when he visited me in Canada. The next time I saw him, he brought up everything that he said to make before I did. To make sure that I knew not to have doubt in it. That without me having to open a word, he picked up where it was. To say, yes, I know that you have doubts, but it was me. This is a man who wasn't afraid of anything. Um, one time when I was beefing with that same disciple of his, this was recently, this is priesthood. Um, he had every right to be upset with me, this monk, to be honest. He's the one on the right right now. He had every right to be upset. But um, he goes, Lola, Bunangelos. If it weren't for Bunangelos, he goes, Makontish, I, I wouldn't have forgiven you. He goes, Abuna Angelos told me, right? Have mercy on him. And he was like, forgive him. Um, there's a beautiful story of him with Pope Krulus VI. Abuna Angelos was offered to be, he was asked to be a bishop at least three times and he refused. But Pope Krulus had sent a bishop to St. Anthony's monastery that Abuna Angelos didn't like. They're human beings. And, um, Pope Krulus was visiting Bush, the, the dependency of the monastery of St. Anthony in Venezuela, in a city called Bush. 
And Pope Carlos was going on his tour of all of Egypt after his ordination. And Abunangelo stood from the balcony and goes, Yaskotel Baba Carolos, um, down with Pope Carlos. Pope Carlos looked up at him, and Abunangelos was scared out of his mind, <laughs> and he bolted inside the building and hid in a closet. And Pope Grodlos walked into the building, went straight for the very room that Abunangelos was in, knocked on the door, said, come out, Angelos. And he came out, and Abunangelos, when he tells his story, is so cute, but Abunangelos was, was shaky. And Pope Grodlos gave him an embrace. And they talked about whatever, and they from that day, they're close friends, to the point that Abunangelos, when he got sent to Jerusalem to serve, and he was sent there during wartime. This is him right now in Jerusalem, um, on Palm Sunday in Jerusalem, the picture of him with that staff. Um, he had a dream that Pope Krolos was strangled to death. And he got so afraid, so afraid, and, and this was pre-high-tech days, that he immediately booked a flight to Cairo to, to see the Pope in person to make sure he was okay. And he arrives to the airport only to find that Pope Carlos had already sent him somebody to pick him up in the airport and bring him directly to him, even though it was the middle of the night. So Buenangelos goes straight to Pope Carlos and Pope Carlos comes out of his cell and puts his arm around his neck and he goes, I'm okay. I'm okay, see, I'm okay. When he was in Jerusalem, um, that was the first time that he saw St. Mary. Him and St. Mary were extremely, extremely, extremely close. Um, and he talks about how he was in his bed and he looks up and he sees St. Mary and he was scared out of his mind. <laughs> he goes, so I pulled, and he did it like this, because I pulled the blanket over my head hoping that that would make her vanish. And he goes, but I could still see her. <laughs> um, and then he's like, he, he loves calling, oh, Manur, the mother of light. He goes, oh, Manur, I literally, Matrash. The mother of light said, fear not. And I had no fear and I was full of joy. And, 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 and you see him become a child. The story of, of Saint of Abuna Bishoy Kamaj, um, where there was light coming out of his hands that was with him, and that was a liturgy he prayed to Bunangelos in Jerusalem, but I, I won't tell that story here. Um, he had that gift, he had the gift of discerning spirits. One time when I went to see him, there was, um, there was people that would bring people possessed to him because he had the gift of, of exorcism. But one time I saw something that was very comforting. This lady came in who was frothing at the mouth and, and having like something that looked like epileptic and she was going crazy and making noises. Like she, she looked possessed. And Abunangelos did that gaze that he has where he would stare through someone's soul. And he says, she's not possessed. Like she's not possessed, she's mentally ill. She needs a psychiatrist, she doesn't need an exorcist. And it was so comforting to also see that this man who was simple, not university educated, that he knew the difference. Because a lot of times people will accuse them of just being shows and that they don't know the difference and they don't get it. No, he knew the difference and he understood it. Um, many people many people thought he was a fake. People would bring him up in front of bishops and, and, and there's recordings of people saying mean things about him, even some of his own monks. Um, and they go, this is Rebiet, this is whatever. He's a sham. He didn't care. He didn't care. I say, let them say what they're gonna say. He just continued to do his thing 
all the time. There's a group of monks that didn't believe in him that went to visit Abuna Feltoosisurani, God reposed his soul, another living saint of our time who reposed a few years back. And these monks believed in Abuna Feltoos. And so when they went to sit with Abuna Feltoos, he's like, ah, you're Antonians. Yeah, um, I don't know how to translate but you're like lucky you guys colloquially is what it means like your boast that you get to be from where Abuna Gelos is from and they looked at him and they have been having conversations about Abuna Gelos on the way there about not believing in him because I want to tell you that when the Anchorites pray, when the spirit-born pray, it's Abukum Angelos, your father Angelos, that raises the hammer, that he presides at liturgy. That was the one Angelos that nobody cared about. But he was humble. He didn't show off his gifts. He didn't show off what he had. Even those who were brought for him for exorcisms, he didn't do it publicly. He'd ask them to be taken to a room to deal with it quietly when we would push him about things that he had done. And these are just a sample of, of hundreds of hundreds of stories that I probably shouldn't tell. He would ask us not to tell. He would ask us not to say. Even one time at the monastery of St. Anthony, somebody came to him. Tomorrow's the feast of Amamoro Salantoni. And one time, one of the great saints of St. Anthony's monastery, one time Abunangelos was at the monastery and one of the workers with a saw cut off his thumb and he went running to Abuna Angelos. And he's like, Abuna, Abuna Ilaha, rescue me, fix it. What can I do? And Abuna Angelos was like, what am I supposed to do? I don't do miracles. So Abuna anointed him with oil and said, go, 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 wrap it and go spend the, go, go, la book Morgos, Morgos, he was a Saidi, Abuna Angelos. He goes, go, Abuna, Abuk Morgos, go to your father, Moros, Elantoni. They went to the church. And he sat in front of the relics of Amal Moros. And when, when the morning came, they unwrapped his bandage and his thumb was like brand new, reattached with no scar, with no issue. That was witnessed by everybody who saw it. He is humble. And his, his lessons, his lessons were very short. When I go to Buna for advice, I wouldn't have much to say. I didn't, I didn't need him to say, I just needed to look. She needed to look at him. One time I told him, Abuna, I'm not, um, I'm arrogant, I'm very arrogant. I have no humility. He goes, Inta, you? And I was like, yeah, Abuna, you already know this. And he would know what was going on with me and just like, Habibi, love everybody. That'd be it. There wouldn't need to be any extra added. Another issue I went to him, he goes, Abuna, Abuna, view everybody is better than you. And people have said that line before. I've read it in the Desert Fathers. I've heard fathers say that. It wasn't mind-blowing advice. It's when you see it alive in somebody when it's not just words. These last five or six years, I have many stories, I'm gonna stop there. I, can't, I, I could keep going, but I will not keep going. Um, I hope somebody can transcribe this because I have no ability right now to write. One of the biggest lessons that I saw near the end of his life that I will forever be implanted in me is the extent to which that Abuna had become a monk who has no will. The annihilation of the will is the highest level of spirituality because the annihilation of the will means that your will is the will of others, the will of God, which means that you have perfect love. I've been watching him the last five years as his health has deteriorated 
living at the mercy of everybody. I want to um, I want to get up, I want to sit down, I want to go to the bathroom now, I want to eat now. Uh, they shove phones in his face. I want to say, God bless you, God bless you. She'll pass, she'll pass. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. You want to go to the bathroom? I'll go to the bathroom. You want me to stand? I'll stand. You want me to sit? I'll sit. You want me to walk? I'll walk. You want me to hold the phone? I'll hold the phone. You want me to go visit this person? I'll visit this person. No way. No way I could ever do that. This is love. This is love. His existence. His existence was at the feet of his master, the Lord of hosts. And because he took no consolation from human beings, nobody consoled or gave him. He gave, because of this, heaven gave him. Heaven gave him. Heaven opened up to him. Heaven would take the words of his mouth as law. Heaven would take the words of his as living. His prayers were real before they were uttered because he is a living icon of holiness, of self-denial, of perfect love. If the earth knew who he is, then it would open up and swallow us if we don't mourn the loss of of a great saint. May the Lord comfort the monastery of St. Anthony, all of us, and I can count myself to be one of his real disciples, all of his disciples, all of his children. And may the Lord not leave us orphaned for long and raise up for us those in the spirit of this holy saint. May his prayers be with us always May he intercede for us before the throne with his beloved mother, Theotokos St. Mary, his beloved St. Anthony, his friend that he knew in the flesh, Abunayustos. All of these saints, may they intercede. Abunayustos be with us. Glory be to our God, now and always into the age of ages. Amen.